Herman Melville's Moby Dick is one of the greatest books of all time, and I see that smile. And I have a beautiful edition here. It is by a company called Easton Press. They make these beautiful, very expensive books. And my dear friend Paul bought this for me years ago because I heard that I love this book. And my child did this to the ribbon. It's supposed to look, it's supposed to look like that. <laughs> and my child, that's what happens when you have a $50 book and you have also a two-year-old. <laughs> but this is Herman Melville's book, Moby Dick. And you can approach a book like this in two ways. I can tell you all about the author and how old he was, or I can just say this. Call me Ishmael. That's the first line in the book. It's one of the most famous lines ever written. Call me Ishmael. Now listen, because you're going to hear a lot of names from the Bible in this book, and they all mean something. There are no throwaway lines in this book. Maybe a few. <laughs> Very few throwaway lines in this book. 615 pages. Call me Ishmael. Ishmael is a young man, maybe 22 or 23 years old, and he wants to go on a whaling voyage. Now, 200 years ago, <clears throat> in order to have light, you would take a lamp and pour oil in the bottom and then light a match or a tinderbox to start the flame. And the oil would slowly burn. Where did they get the oil from? They would go on boats into the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean and they would throw iron spears into the largest creatures on earth. And when they threw that spear into the creature, the creature would not die because it's too large. But they would tie a rope from the spear back to the boat. And the creature would swim through the water, pulling the boat and the six or eight men that are sitting in the boat. And slowly the men would pull the rope and they're getting closer to the whale. And when they get very close, maybe four or five meters away, a man would stand up with a thin spear, very sharp, and he would throw the spear into the whale and pull it out. It was like a pin because the harpoon, the first spear, would have hooks so that it would stick in the flesh and would not come out. The next spear was thin like a pin. It would slide in and come out, in and out, and in that bloody and gruesome way and very dangerous way, they would kill that whale. And then the boat, the large ship, would come behind and tie up the whale, and they would have to cut the whale into pieces and get the oil out. That was what it was to be a whaler. They would be gone for two to four years without seeing their family. They would bring back hundreds of barrels, drums of whale oil, and they would sell it when they got back to land. 
And that was how you would read if you read at night. And this is a story about Ishmael. Ishmael is one of Abraham's sons. Was he the good son or the bad son? He's the bad son. It's Isaac and Ishmael, right? The man who tells this story is named Ishmael. He decides to go whaling. And so he goes to America. He's an American. He goes to the East Coast. America has obviously the two sides. One is on the Pacific Coast where California is. That's where the Pacific Ocean is. And if you cross it, you come to China and Japan. And then on the other side is the Atlantic Ocean, the Atlantic Coast. And if you cross that, you come to Europe. And in the south, you come to Africa. Well, this boy comes to this eastern side and he goes to the island of Nantucket. He finds a boat that will take him. And while he's waiting to go, he finds a man who's very tall and very strong. He's from one of the islands. His name is Queequeg. This is all in your notes if you want to follow along. He finds a man named Queequeg. Queequeg has learned to speak broken English because he was on a whaling boat. He grew up on the island. He didn't know English. He didn't have books. There's no schools. Missionaries hadn't arrived there. But a boat came one time and he said, you pay me. I go you. And so he got on the boat and he went around the world and he found money and bought things and sent it back to his island. Queequeg is a powerful man. He's called a harpooner. He's going to throw that harpoon, the the spear with the barbs, to catch in the whale. Needs a very strong man to throw that harpoon in the days before you could fire any gun that would be able to uh, have a, a rope attached to it. Well, Queequeg and Ishmael go together. Queequeg is a pagan. He worships idols. He has a little idol that he brings with him in his bag. He gets on the boat, and they find the boat that is willing to take them. The boat's name is the Pequod. And they ask to speak to the captain, but they're told the captain is not here yet. They're going to set out from the dock in a few days. So Queequeg and Ishmael... They become very good friends, and they decide we're going to be friends together and go on the Pequod. So they get ready to go. Early in the morning, they're carrying their bags to put on the Pequod. And as they're going, they think they see some shadows up in front of them, some people getting on the boat. It is illegal and dangerous to have people get on the boat who are not signed in. What are they going to do? Are they, are they criminals? What is it? But then they look, and they can't tell if they saw anyone. Just then a young man comes up, or a man comes up to them with a raspy voice and says, Hey, you! You're not going on the Pequod, are you? Yes, yes, we are. Have you met the captain? No, I haven't met the captain. Ah, fair enough, shipmate. Why, what's your name? My name's Elijah. Do you know the captain's name? Ahab. So Elijah warns them about going on the boat. But they, ah, get away. Who are you? We don't know you. And they pass by his warning and get on the boat. Later that day, the boat sets sail. It's going to be gone for anywhere from three to four years. Ishmael's a young man. He wants to make some money. He wants to come back. While he's on the boat, he's going to be poor. But when he comes back, they're going to take that oil and he gets a little part of all the oil that's sold. 
So he knows that when I come back, I'm going to have my money and get my paycheck. I'll have seen the world. I'll have seen great sights. I'm going to go. So he gets on the boat and they leave. They still have not seen the captain. The captain came on very early before anyone was on and he hid in his cabin and he wouldn't come out. They're out on the ocean and they still haven't met this captain. But different people tell them, oh, the captain, he's a very strong man. He's a good captain. He'll do just right for us. That was the first mate. On a ship, there are three mates. Those are like the officers on a ship. There's the captain and then three men underneath him who are in charge. There's anywhere from 20 to 40 sailors on the ship. And of those sailors, three of them are the bosses. The first mate, the second mate, and the third mate. The first mate's name is Starbuck. And he's a nice, friendly man. He's cautious. He's not going to take risks. And he's a good man. He even goes to church. The second man is a man named Stubb. He's a little man, always has a pipe, very small. But he tries to make up for being small by being very risky. He takes many risks. My flash drive is very small, so I, I called my flash drive on my computer, Stubb. <laughs> and then there's a third mate. His name is Flask. Th- these are the surnames of, of each of these men. So there's Starbuck, Stubb, and Flask. And they're all friendly and talk to each other, but they still haven't met who? The captain. The captain. They get way out to sea, and they're working one day, and suddenly they hear thump. And all eyes turn to see what's knocking when you're two weeks out to ocean. It's the captain. He only has one leg. The other leg is a peg leg, a leg made out of whale bone. And as he walks, he pounds the ground. What happened? What happened? It was a whale accident off the Cape of uh, off Cape Horn down by South America. A whale accident. What happened? And then we find out the story. <clears throat> Several years ago, Ahab, the captain of this ship, was out looking for whales, and he was out in the Pacific Ocean when he set sail and saw the greatest whale ever. The whale that everyone had heard about. A white whale. And on the back of these white whales was a hump. A hump as big as a snow hill. This white whale. And he said, there's got to be so much oil in that whale, we could take our boat home. Normally they'd have to kill 10 or 20 whales or 30 whales. But with that one whale, he said, we might have enough to go home. Let's kill that whale. But the other Uh, sailors said, but you know Moby Dick. There's something different. He's enchanted. There's some kind of magic on Moby Dick, the white whale. Ahab said, go. So they have a large ship. And in order to attack the whales, they will put down small boats, usually three boats at a time. So the big ship would be maybe the size of the room. And then a small boat would be smaller than this table. And it would hold six or eight men. And they would row on the boat, rowing faster than the ship. And they would chase the whale. So as soon as they see a whale, they put their boats down, 
put six or eight men in each boat, and they chase the whale. And the ship comes slowly behind to catch them. Well, Ahab is the captain, and it's against the law for the captain to get out of the ship into a boat. But Ahab wanted that white whale. Something inside him made him rush out to kill that whale. And so he gets in the boat and goes out. But what happens when he pulls up and throws his harpoon? Wait a minute. What's the captain doing throwing the harpoon? It's supposed to be one of those huge young men who throws the harpoon. No, Ahab said, no one's going to throw this harpoon but me. Why? Ahab just had this desire to chase that whale. And he had this desire to throw the harpoon. He pulled up the harpoon and threw it. And the whale was hit with a harpoon. He turned in a circle, snapped the line because there's a rope going from the harpoon back to the boat. He snapped the line, comes back, knocks over the boat that has Ahab inside. Ahab falls into the water. And even when he's in the water, what do you do when you fall in the water? You swim back and grab onto the boat because the boat is made of wood and it will float. You're in the ocean. There are sharks out here. Ahab doesn't do that. When when Moby Dick knocks him in the water, he pulls out his knife, swims for the whale, and stabs at the whale with his six-inch blade. And that's when Moby Dick turns around and with his jaw slices off his leg. Ahab is grabbed by his men, pulled back into the ship, For days, he's delirious from loss of blood and sickness, but somehow he recovers. He heads back to land. They fashion a a leg for him out of wood, but he doesn't want a wooden leg. He wants a leg made out of whale bone, a dead whale. And he decided while he was sick on his bed on that boat going back to land, he decided... Until I die, I will chase and kill the white whale. But he doesn't tell anyone. He goes home. Then he finds the Pequod. The Pequod says, yes, you can go out. You can be the captain. He comes walking up. Gets on the Pequod. And the Pequod's owners are sending Ahab out to kill 20 or 30 whales to bring back the oil so they can light their lamps. But Ahab, the day you first see him, calls everyone up to the quarterdeck. The quarterdeck is the the raised part on the boat where only the captain stands. He calls all the men up. What is this? It's very rare for everyone to be called up. What's this meaning for? What's happening? Has someone died? And Ahab begins to make his speech, to tell them that they have been out to sea for several weeks But they are not hunting whales. They are hunting whale. And he gives such an electric speech that all of the men, even though they know they're not supposed, if the owners find out they hunted one whale, they'll all lose their jobs and lose their pay. And if the law finds out that the captain took control of the ship, They can be arrested. And anyone who helped the captain can also be arrested. So you can be in trouble financially 
and with the law. But Ahab's power is so great and he presses them so hard that every member of the crew joins Ahab, except for one. Can you guess who doesn't join? Starbuck. Starbuck, the first mate. Remember, I told you, he sometimes goes to church. Starbuck says, Captain, we can't do this. But he talks to Ahab in private. And so Ahab says, okay, okay, you just wait and watch. And so to appease Starbuck, when they see a whale, they let the boats down and go after it. And every now and then they go after some whales. But slowly but surely, Ahab is trying to pull Starbuck. And Starbuck is trying to pull Ahab. So Starbuck tries to get Ahab to go after the whales. And Ahab tries to get Starbuck to only chase the white whale. Now you ask, how are they going to find? The oceans are pretty big. How are you going to find one fish in the Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, Arctic oceans? That's not possible, is it? He has a full chapter in here of times when one man went out, hit a whale, then the whale broke the line. A year or two years later, that same captain on the same voyage threw a harpoon, hit and killed the whale, and when they pulled it in, he found his old harpoon with his name written on the side of it. He gives three different stories where that kind of thing happened, and then there's a full chapter of the map. The map of the whole world. And Ahab has marked the paths where the whales like to swim. Because in general, whales, just like you, you have the certain places you like to go, right? Well, whales are that way too. You think, oh, the ocean's all the same. Not if you're a whale, it's not. <laughs> a whale probably thinks, why do you want to live in South Africa? Why not go to, to China? You're like, ah, no. Well, they say the land, it's all the same, right? You think the water's all the same, but the whales know there are certain places whales like to go at certain times. And Ahab has been marking it. And then he's been marking all of the places on his map where Moby Dick has been sighted. And every time they see a boat, they're on the ocean, nothing around them. But if they see a boat, every time they see a boat, Ahab calls out and they go and meet with that boat. And they have a meeting and he asks, have you seen the white whale? They meet with eight different boats, and not all, but several of them give them advice and information about the white whale. Several of them say, we tried to attack the white whale, and he killed one ship, lost five men when they tried to kill the white whale. One ship lost a son. So they uh, they go on chasing the whale more and more, and... For years now, Ahab has been filled with hatred as he's trying to chase it. But all the sailors have been passing around stories about Moby Dick. And the sailors pass around stories just like you and I would talk. Notice this in number 14. They believe that Moby Dick is ubiquitous. Do you know the word ubiquitous? Ubiquitous means everywhere at the same time. The sailors believe that the whale can be in the Pacific Ocean and in the Atlantic Ocean at the same time, in the Northern Hemisphere and in the Southern Hemisphere. They believe that Moby Dick can be attacking one boat and be attacked by another boat at the same time. Look at the next one. They believe he's what? 
What does immortal mean? You cannot die. All of the sailors have stories about how they've seen the white whale with different harpoons sticking in him. No matter how many spears you throw, that whale cannot die. And more, they believe the whale Moby Dick is divinely guided, that he knows everything. He knows where all the boats are. He knows where all the sailors are. This is amazing. On page 276, Moby Dick is the judge of sinners. This is an amazing chapter in this. Uh, oh, I just forgot the title of that chapter. It is uh, Steel Kilt and Ravney. It's uh, the Town Ho. The Town Ho story. The Town Ho was a boat. And on that boat, two of the men started to fight. And the one man was more innocent than the other. Both men were bad. But the one man wasn't doing as much bad as the other. The other man was very bad when Ragni attacked um, Steel Kilt. And Steel Kilt got whipped because of Ragni. And over and over the fight went on and on until Ragni went so far as attempted murder. The fight got so bad here in this boat out on the ocean that they didn't know what to do until one day they saw the white whale they set down their boats and chased the white whale. Of all the boats, Moby Dick chose the boat that had Ragni, the greatest criminal. He knocked over that boat from underneath, which is rare. It happens, but it's rare. He knocked over that boat from underneath. All the men fell in the water. Moby Dick circled, which is very rare. He circled because whales eat small fish. They don't eat people. They're not... They're not like sharks eating blood. He circled and came back and grabbed only Ragni and took him down under the water until he drowned. And all the sailors believed he was the judge of sinners. If you were very bad on the ocean, Moby Dick would get you. And that's, that's another boat they meet. They meet the, the Jeroboam. The Jeroboam, was he a good king or a bad king? a very bad king. They meet the Jeroboam and the captain of the Jeroboam wants to kill Moby Dick. But one of the men on the Jeroboam says, if you attack Moby Dick, he will bring judgment on this boat. And so the Jeroboam meets the Pequod. And at that time, they meet to talk. And Ahab says, have you seen the white whale? And the other captain says, no, we're looking for him. And suddenly, one of the Men on the Jeroboam comes up and says, I prophesy that if you put any steel in Moby Dick, you will die. They say, ah, this, this guy, he's a, he's a shouter. And they separate. But boat after boat, they meet eight different boats. Boat after boat warns them, Moby Dick is the judge of sinners. Number 15, <clears throat> Ahab says this. He says, Moby Dick is a magnet drawing all men to him. Page 472. He is the representative. This is exactly quote from Captain Ahab. He is a representative of, quote, the unbegotten God. Page 540. This whale is, the, is incomprehensible to man. This is, again, what Ahab says about the whale. His predestinating head, 
that is the whales, Moby Dick's predestinating head. Who predestines? The predestinating head of the whale holds retribution, swift vengeance, and conquers all in spite of all that mortal man could do. Page 612, three pages from the end as Ahab sees the whale and curses him. So in the eyes of the book and the sailors and the author, Moby Dick is everywhere, knows everything, judges sinners, is all-powerful, is unkillable. He's unbegotten. He draws all men. He even predestines things. So Ahab had smuggled on to the Pequod four men who have been hiding down below. And every now and then at night, some of the sailors, because you have to work 24 hours on the boat, every now and then some of the sailors, shh, shh, what is that? Don't you hear some men down below? But they can't tell until the first time they lower their boats to get a whale. Suddenly four men appear like ghosts. It was the four men that Ahab had snuck on. And the author of the book says, they, he, he takes a full paragraph to describe them as demons. They were men, but all the sailors thought that they were demons. They, they weren't, they were men. Or were they? And these men go down to attack the white whale. Over the next years, they travel all over the, sh- over the seas, and they occasionally kill another whale, but the whole time they're looking for Moby Dick. And during this time, Ishmael explains how difficult it is to be a whaler. It's a very demanding and dangerous job. Mixed in with this story are just about 200 pages of what's called cetology. Cetology is the study of whales. Cetus or cetus, cases from fish. Cetology, the study of whales. So Moby Dick has 600 pages and 200 of those pages are just scientific discussion. It's really not a, it's not a novel that will have you flipping the pages, page after page. I've just got to see what happens next. Uh, There are a few parts like that. But there's 200 pages where they just describe the brain of the whale, the skeleton of the whale. There's a whole chapter on the eyes of the whale. There's a whole chapter. In fact, there's two chapters of different paintings of whales. There's a whole chapter called the whiteness of the whale. Because remember, it's the white whale. And the whiteness of the whale, he describes in a lengthy chapter, he says... The whiteness of the whale. Why is it the, it's so terrifying to see a white whale? And he says, look in the Bible. White is a good thing, right? When Jesus goes on the mountains, his clothes become white. And when the Christians go to heaven, they all wear white robes. Or just think about this. What kind of bear is most terrifying? A polar bear. When someone gets sick, you say they lost all the color in their face. When someone is a ghost, he turned white. He mentions albinos. That's people who have no no skin color. And then he says in Revelation, the saints wear white, but it's a white horse that brings death. 
And so he goes on and on describing how whiteness is actually a terrifying sound sign and reminds us often of death. <clears throat> so about half of the book is discussions of philosophy and science, and only about half of the book is the story. This is not an easy book. It is a heavy and hard book. I don't know if you'll ever read it, which is why I'm telling you the story tonight, in case you never do read it. Well, they're going on in their journey, and sometimes they see a whale's spout at night. So they follow it all through the night until the day when they can put their boats down. You can't put the boats down at night, but in the day it always disappears. And they've never heard it before. They think it's a ghost or something else. The Pequod meets with the Jeroboam. I told you about that. Then during a thunderstorm, after they've been out for over two years, lightning strikes the Pequod. It is very unusual to be struck by lightning on a boat. But these people are struck by lightning. And not only are they struck by lightning, it catches all three of the masts. A ship would be shaped something like this. And it would have three masts. And those masts hold the sails. And the masts were hit by lightning. So fire came at the top. Of course, that's dangerous. But it's also a terrible sign for these people who have been out at sea for years. Now, not only are they hit by this, Ahab acknowledges that this is God himself talking to Ahab and telling him to turn around. And Ahab says, I will not turn around. I came out here to kill you, and I will. The next day, they go. Now, remember, you're on a boat in the ocean. The next day, they look at the compass. The compass always points what direction? North. The next day they go and the compass points exactly backward. The direction they're going, it turns. Now, you, ca you can't change a compass. The compass is built on the magnets of the earth. Who changed the compass? All the, all the sailors are filled with terror. And Ahab says, ah, no, no, I've heard this before. When lightning strikes, sometimes it can change the magnet. And he convinces them. And they go on and chase the whale. One of the men on board prophesies that Ahab, just now, right at the end, one of the men on board prophesies that Ahab cannot be killed without three things. Number one, he says, Ahab, if you want to kill the white whale, just know this, you can never die unless three things happen. Number one, you have to be hung with a rope made from hemp. Hemp was the string that they would make to uh, uh, use for the ropes on boats. And since Ahab has been a sailor for 40 years, he's 58 years old right now. Since he's been a sailor for 40 years, he thought, when I get back to England, I'm going to have killed Moby Dick, but the owners of the ship will be angry that I didn't fulfill my cause, and they'll kill me. But Ahab says, I don't care. I don't care as long as I've killed that whale. If I've killed that whale, they can kill me. So the man says, you can only die from a rope made with hemp. And he thought, when I get back to land, because I've been a sailor for 40 years, they'll take a rope from my boat and they'll kill me. But I don't care as long as I've killed the white whale. Number two, you can only be killed or be buried in a coffin made of wood that was grown in America. 
That was his homeland. And number three, the man who's speaking to him says, you cannot die unless you see me after I depart. And so Ahab knows, aha, the prophecy. When I get back to America, then they'll kill me. Uh, The man here, he'll leave and then I'll see him again. Then they'll kill me and then I'll be buried in a coffin made with wood from America. Finally, a beautiful day appears and Ahab begins to reminisce over his 40 years at sea. And then he suddenly has a soft heart and thinks, what am I doing? Why don't we turn the boat around right now? Starbuck comes near and hears him. Starbuck says, yes, yes, my master. Let's turn the boat now. I'll turn it. Starbuck immediately goes and doesn't wait a moment longer. Ahab turns back and says, stop. And they talk and he pleads with him. And it's as if two men on the very edge of a cliff are talking. No, turn back, turn back. And Ahab says, yes, I will. But I can't. My heart pulls me onward. I can't turn back. I've set my face to kill this whale and I will. Starbuck says, no, no, you've not done it yet. You've not gone too far. Come back. Ahab presses on. The very next morning, they see the white whale. Now, Ahab had offered a gold piece that was worth a lot of money. He had nailed it on a, on a rope and a nail to the mast, a big gold piece. And he said, whoever sees the white whale first will get that gold piece. And the morning, there's about, like I said, 20 or 30 or 40 sailors on board. The morning that they see the white whale, remember Ahab is around like this, but up on top of the mast is what's called a crow's nest. You get up there by a rope and every day from morning till night, there's a man standing up there looking as far as he can to see what? Whales have a spout on their back that shoots air up. And so every every time that Ahab is out, or every, every time the sun is up, they're looking for that spout. Ahab sends a man up there, and there's actually two crow's nests. So there's two men looking, but Ahab, the short man with the wooden leg, sees the white whale on the morning of. He takes the gold, he lowers the boat, and they take off. On the first day of the chase, the boats are knocked over. Moby Dick turns around, comes back, knocks their boats over, breaks one of the boats. Starbuck brings the ship up, picks up all the people and says, Ahab, you've had your warning. Stop. Ahab says, no. He goes back again on the second day. On the second day, Moby Dick turns around and knocks over Ahab's boat only. And he knocks over the boat in such a way that it smashes Ahab's leg his wooden leg, his uh, whalebone leg. That night, Ahab gets pulled up and he says, make me another leg. I'm going back. Starbucks says, no, no. God himself is calling you. He's given you so many warnings. What are you doing? Ahab has the carpenter stay up late, make him a leg early the next morning on the third day. Notice how many times in the Bible you see the third day. Ahab gives chase, and suddenly Moby Dick breaches. A breach is when a whale or a fish 
shoots out of the water straight up and falls backward. We don't know why whales do it. Maybe it's their, their form of clapping their hands before God. Maybe it's just like a flower opening up. Maybe God just likes to see that. But it's beautiful. It's powerful when they shoot out of the water and fall backward. At least I've heard and seen on videos. I've never seen it in person. But Ahab saw it right in front of him. Moby Dick breached this enormous, the largest animal ever created. Breaches right in front of Ahab. And what does he see? The day before, when his boat was knocked over, the man who prophesied fell out of the boat. Because Moby Dick has been going all over the world for so long and has had so many harpoons stuck in him, those harpoons have ropes. The next morning, somehow the body of that man had been wrapped up in the ropes and he was literally tied to the side of Moby Dick. His dead but open eyes staring directly at Ahab as Moby Dick breaches immediately in front of Ahab. Ahab looks at him and says, No, it can't be! I saw him after he departed! He stands up with full anger and throws his harpoon. It hits Moby Dick. Moby Dick turns, comes back on the boat, passes Ahab's boat, and charges straight at the Pequod. Now, he's already described, sperm whales have a very large head that is just a big bone. Their eyes and brain are further back, so that their body looks something like this. And the eyes would be back here, and the mouth is down here. But this whole front part is bone. And Moby Dick turns that bone on the Pequod. He rams the boat. And the boat begins to sink. As the boat sinks, Ahab looks at it and says, The coffin! The coffin! The wood was made in America. That's prophecy number two. What's the third prophecy? Only a rope made out of hemp could kill Ahab. Ahab stands up in his boat. As Moby Dick hits the Pequod, he turns around and surfaces calmly about five meters from Ahab's boat. All the other boats have been sunk and their ship is going down. And do you understand what that means? They're in the middle of the ocean. Even if he kills Moby Dick, you're going to die. You have no food, you have no water, and you're thousands of kilometers from anything. So the fact the ship's going, they're all dead. He stands up and he curses Moby Dick with all his hatred. I think I put it in here. Yes, look at number 33, page two. To the last I grapple with thee. From hell's heart I stab at thee. For hate's sake I spit my last breath at thee. Sink all coffins and all hearses to one common pool. Though tied to thee, thou damned whale, thus I give up the spear. The harpoon hits the whale, and as Moby Dick flew forward, the rope made of what? 
catches Ahab around the neck and pulls him helplessly into the water. The ship, the boats, and all the men sink. Except for Ishmael. He was in Ahab's boat that day, the man telling the story. And he swims, and as the sharks come near him, a coffin comes up from the wreck. He climbs in the coffin, and a boat from the day before, or a few days before, catches him. The boat's name was the Rachel. I forgot to tell you the story. The Rachel, a day before Ahab found Moby Dick, he saw the Rachel. And the captain of the Rachel said, please, you've got to help me. We just sent out three boats for a whale. On one of those boats, two of the boats came back, but one of the boats did not come back. On that boat was my little 12-year-old boy. I just let him go. Oh, please help me. We'll go together just for one day. I'll pay you. I'll pay you everything. Just go with me for one day to go back and forth across the ocean to find that boat where my boy and four other men are. Please. And Ahab curses the man and chases Moby Dick. The next day, the Rachel picks up Ishmael and they head back. That's the end of the story. That's it. That's the last page. On the last page, Ahab curses Moby Dick, hits him with the spear, and it goes down. 615 pages, and the point is on the last page. Let me ask you, who won? Moby Dick won. Who is Moby Dick? You can't miss it if you read the book. He's not a man. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He's all powerful. He judges sinners. He does what he wants. You can't kill him. You can't outsmart him. You can't comprehend him. And the He's the largest, not just of any whale. He has whole chapters on his size. He's larger than any creature ever created. He quotes the Bible. He quotes all kinds of sources in there. Moby Dick is a book that shows the hatred that men have toward God. You can use this book when you are tempted with sin. You just know you are becoming like. Have you not met a man like Ahab? Plead with them like Starbuck pleads with Ahab. No, plead with him better than Starbuck. Because even though Starbuck pleaded with Ahab, Starbuck could have done more. Starbuck had the authority to tell the men, no, I'm not supporting him and I want you not to support him either. Because he was breaking the law and breaking his contract. But Starbuck, even though Starbuck was a good man, he didn't do enough. And Starbuck pays for it with his life. And Ahab takes all the lives of all the men with him down as well, except for Ishmael. I see in this book the mystery and infinity of God, the greatness and splendor of God. What in the world is more awe-inspiring than the ocean? Have you ever seen the ocean? The one thing you feel immediately when you see the ocean 
is how small you are and how great God is. But he writes, somewhere around page 400, he writes, wonders lose their power quickly to whale men because they see so many amazing things. They're always seeing big, big uh, whales. He describes in here an enormous squid. Do you know a squid like an octopus? This enormous thing, 30 meters long. Can you imagine an octopus longer than our house? And he says, whalemen are always seeing these amazing things. You see the ocean. You see the octopus and the fish and the whales. So they forget about it. Isn't that like us? We come to church, so we sing amazing grace as if it's not amazing. This book teaches the mystery and the infinity of God. It teaches depravity. Ahab despises God. He has no good reason to hate God. Remember, he attacked the whale when the whale hadn't done anything to him. The whale knocks his boat over. Was Ahab hurt? No. Ahab charges at him with a... So the whale, does the whale kill him? No, just takes off his leg. Does Ahab stop? No, he attacks again. The whale pushes him back. He attacks. The whale pushes him back. He attacks. Over and over the patience of God, but the depravity of man. Then the human soul. What a mixture it is. I think one of the greatest messages in this book is meditation. That's number five in the notes. Meditation. This book teaches us how to meditate. It is not easy to read this book. It's not like a novel. It's not like a movie. They've made a movie out of it. You can't make a movie out of this book. This is the kind of book you have to ponder and think. You need to read by yourself. We you can just think about what's happening in your soul. What's happening to all of our hearts and souls. The man who wrote this was not a Christian. He wrote it when he was 32 years old. 32 Let me read some of these quotes as we close. His three boats stove around him, and oars and men both whirling in the eddies. One captain seizing the line knife from his broken prow had dashed at the whale as an Arkansas duelist at his foe, blindly seeking with a six-inch blade to reach the fathom-deep life of the whale. That captain was Ahab, and then it was that suddenly, sweeping his sickle-shaped lower jaw beneath him, Moe Dick had reaped away Ahab's leg as a mower, a blade of grass in the field. All that most maddens and torments, all that stirs up the lees of things, all truth with malice in it, all that cracks the sinews and cakes the brain, all the subtle demonisms of life and thought, all evil to crazy Ahab were visibly personified and made practically assailable in Moby Dick. He piled upon the whale's white hump the sum of all the general rage and hate felt by his whole race from Adam down. And then as if his chest had been a mortar, he burst his hot heart's shell upon it. That's the best line in the book. That is the best. That is exactly the heart of man from Adam to today. That's what man is like. He has no good reason, but he piles up all of his hatred and pours it out on one that he doesn't even understand. 
Some certain significance lurks in all things, else all things are little worth. Page 460. Page 508, Starbucks says to Ahab, let Ahab beware of Ahab. Beware of thyself, old man. Wow, isn't that a good warning? Beware of, who's the greatest danger? It's me. I'm the greatest danger to me. Page 609, oh, Ahab, cried Starbuck. Not too late is it, even now, the third day to desist. See, Moby Dick seeks thee not. It is thou, thou that madly seekest him. Page 610, he darted his fierce iron and his far fiercer curse into the hated whale. Moby Dick is the story of a man devoting himself to his hatred for God and God finally giving him what he deserves.